Now entering Nerdist.com. Welcome to the Writers Panel. I'm Ben Blacker, the creator and moderator of the podcast. I created the show because I wanted to talk to other writers about the business and process of writing. I've had more than 500 writers on the show, so please check the archives to find more writers and more TV shows of interest to you. I'm a writer myself, having written for Supernatural, Puss in Boots, and other programs. I have a couple of cool projects out this first quarter of 2017 that I hope you'll check out. One is a Supernatural Western comic book series from Boom Publishing that I wrote with my writing partner, Ben Acker, and our friend, the TV showrunner, Andrew Miller. It's beautifully illustrated by Hannah Christensen, and the first issue is available in comic stores and online February 8th. In March comes the first book in a series of young adult novels that Acker and I wrote called Star Wars Join the Resistance. It takes place just before The Force Awakens and is about a bunch of kids who join the fight against the First Order. But mostly they have adventures, fall in love with each other, and get in trouble. I hope you'll check out both of those projects. We're very proud of how they came out. Let me know who you'd like to hear on this podcast by following me on Twitter, at Ben Blacker, like the color only more so, liking the Writers Panel on Facebook, and visiting writerspanel.tumblr.com. And if you like the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Reading those reviews really provides a pick-me-up. They write, they talk, and talk about what they write. Tune in tonight, or whenever the time is right. It's the Writer's Panel with Ben Blacker, and it's starting now. Oh, yeah! Um, hi, guys. Thanks for being here. This is how a podcast starts. Awesome. This is crazy. The three of you have never been on a podcast before, together or individually. Um, so what I want to do is, starting here with Davida, please introduce yourself. Uh, so the listener knows what your voice sounds like, and tell us some of the places they may have seen your name on television. Sure. So I'm Davida Scarlett, and I'm currently on Queen Sugar. Before that, I was on Animal Kingdom and The Family on ABC and Constantine on NBC. Great. Thanks. Mark? Uh, hi. I'm Mark Feuerstein, and I'm currently uh, working on a show called 9JKL with my wife, who's right next to me, Dana Klein. <laughs> uh, I've was most recently on a show called Royal Pains for eight seasons uh, on the USA Network. And since then, I did um, I played a villain on Prison Break on Fox. <laughs> and I played a ridiculous kind of douchebag on Wet Hot American Summer, which just uh, dropped yesterday. Oh, yeah, yeah. You played a villain? I did. You? He was a guy who you might think was a nice guy. Ah, but then it turned out to go. be a real... Real tricky, <laughs> good bad <task>. guy. <laughs> yeah, uh, and Dana, uh, Dana Klein. I am currently on Nine JKL, which will be on CBS in October. I was on Fresh Off the Boat for uh, two years. I have been on a bunch of half hours. Uh, Becker yeah. and uh, Friends, uh, Kath and Kim for a year. Um, yeah, great. And you know, as I said, we'll see where this conversation takes us. But I feel like we'll we'll talk about a bunch of those. Sure. Uh, but let's talk about Nine JKL for a moment. Okay. Um, this is a new show that the two of you created. Yes. Um, is this the first creative endeavor you guys have done together? Yes. Other than raising our three children. <laughs> yeah, that's a military. Uh, by the way, I took that line from her. She gave. She's given me that before, and I just stole it right from her. Nice. No, no, that's that's how a great writing partnership works. Yes. Um, tell us a little bit about the creation of this show, uh, where it came from, how you guys started talking about it, but then the pitch process, too. Sure. Uh, you, why don't you speak to I'll, the idea? I'll uh, set it up, and then you can do the pitch process. <laughs> um, 
So I love shows like Louie and Better Things right now, uh, sort of seemingly autobiographical kind of shows. And maybe because I'm not a stand-up comic or whatever, it wasn't that wasn't the perfect format for me. And there was this period of time when I was shooting Royal Pains in New York um, when I was living in an apartment next door to my parents. And every morning my father would come in in his tidy whities and go, hey, Mark, what do you want for breakfast? You want eggs? You want French toast? <laughs> and at night after a 15-hour day, my mother would be waiting by the door like a gunslinger in a nightgown going, hi, Mark, would you like to come in for a salad? <laughs> and I would go in and sit with her for a half hour and hear about the day's events. And then there was this period of 18 months where my brother, his wife, and their baby were living on the other side. They were subletting the other. But my parents owned the one that I was staying in, but mm-hmm. we, they were subletting the one right next door to me. So when I shared that with a producer named Aaron Kaplan, he said, that's a show, which he says about certain things. <laughs> but, that's true. Though. But <laughs> you can't be it's living not, in that yeah, and not realize Like every day about something, but this was yeah. uh, my day. <laughs> and uh, we forgot about it for a little while, but then there was this moment where he was in a doctor's waiting room with his mother, Aaron Kaplan mother and my manager was also there Stephen Levy and they got to talking and they called me on the phone and they were like whatever happened to that show idea we had oh uh, that I you know that you mentioned um, and it was you know sort of like a updated everybody loves Raymond yeah. and then honey remind me of the moment when it became clear that you would be you were so kind as to lend your talent right. to this idea. I just remember we were outside of Soul Cycle and we were talking about <laughs> whether I would do it or not. Yeah, I mean, because she's always got Did so you have many. To talk her into it a little bit. I mean, she always yeah. has so many terrific I feel like ideas. You Absolutely. talked me into it, and then I had to talk you into it. Like there were moments where we were both like, "Wait, is this yeah. a good idea?" It was great. It was like we were dating again, trying right. to figure out <laughs> yeah. who wants who more. Right, 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 right. And where where were you at the time? I mean, you are one of these writers who you're. It seems like you're always working on. Something. Um, I've I've had great luck um, with uh, having pilots shot mm-hmm. uh, in the past few years, um, and had one uh, that was on for uh, we we did half a season mm-hmm. on Friends with Better Lives on CBS. So I had that relationship with CBS um, at that time. I think I was still at twentieth. I was on fresh off the boat. I don't remember the exact timeline, but maybe I was finishing up. Um, my time with 20th and going to develop. There was a cable project I was doing with Aaron Kaplan, and then I was looking for another network thing, and then, mm. so the timing worked out well. Gotcha. So then, I mean, this feels like this is the pitch, This, uh, especially for a comedy. Like, you just want to kind of go in, right, and say, here's the premise, and aren't we all funny and charming? <laughs> <laughs> was that bit, the experience? A little bit. I mean, it was like, we went in, I told some stories about my family, Dana gave a legitimate pitch for how the show could be structured and why people would watch and why it's right to do now and uh, the main characters that we'd see every week. Did you have to... I'm I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm going to want to dig deeper on some of these things. It's a podcast. Um, (laughs) Yeah, there's no editing. There's no audience. Um, Was that a difficult thing to figure out, like the, the sitcom of it? What is this show every week? Well, I feel like we had a very clear idea of what the show was, which is that, you know, Mark is, is a, a, I don't want to say people pleaser because that feels like Go negative ahead. connotations, Go ahead. but like he's the, the um, you know, often I feel like with siblings, there's the one mm-hmm. child who like can't say no to their parents and they feel guilty every time <laughs> they do. And then there's the other sibling that's just like can, you know, set firmer boundaries. So we thought that was a really interesting 
way into this family. And of course, the, you know, loving dysfunction of a super close knit family, both emotionally and physically in, in rooted in the truth of right. Mark's experience. Did the, were the sizes of the stories something that needed figuring out, though? Like, it feels like you could go Raymond, right? Which was very sort of very low concept. Uh-huh. Um, and you're, you're leaning on your actors. But I feel like that's a tough pitch. We, you know, the pitch was relatively easy. I mean, no pitch is ever easy, but right. it was it was really breaking the pilot episode that hmm. I, I think was really challenging. Like, we had tons of stories for what would be episode two, three, four, you know, there was a ton, but just, it's always hard, of course, the pilot episode, what is, is the perfect right. pilot story to tell. And we, we knew that the main character, Josh, based on me, would have, we, we made it so that he was not married with three children mm-hmm. as I am in real life because we felt that he would have more freedom to date and those would be great sure. stories to tell. Okay. So we really, um, I, it's a little similar to a show I love called Love on Netflix mm-hmm. where he's dealing with his career and uh, romantic life, but in a sitcom format. And I know there were a million things that I pitched to her that she was like, no, not going to fit. No, <laughs> nah, stop, enough. You know. Sure. And it was a great joy for me to get some of the true things into the show. It's not a documentary, but yeah. it's fun to take what's true. And it also feels right. When you've succeeded with the pitch on those things, you want to kind of try to get them into the pilot. Yeah. For the the pilot story, that like typically I, whenever I pitch, I really have a, a strong idea of what the pilot is. We really didn't. And we sort and of... We even um, avoided mentioning it. We did. It. We avoided it. And somehow no one really asked. Like we were, <laughs> we were just kind of like... And in the, the pilot finds him moving back to New York. That's right. And it was like literally one sentence. And I was dreading the like, but what is the pilot about? And it... In, at any network, you know, we pitched it at four different places. No one really asked. And then <laughs> we were like, so what do we do for the pilot? And then the story, you know, broke. It's, I remember sitting at Graffiti Coffee, which is no longer there, where we used to work all the time. And uh, those were, you know, harder, yeah. hard days. Like, what will it be? But Really we, we drilling got down. Yeah. Um, I want to ask, and Natalie, will you take out the first part of this? Uh, I took a pitch out last year with a friend of mine who was an actor who had this situation that was a ripe setup for a sitcom, and we said, we are going to exploit you mm-hmm. and do this. So I'm curious about, were you worried at all about bringing the true story in? Were you worried about using your family as fodder for a sitcom, which we all do anyway, but mm-hmm. this is, you know, really, literally based on your life and their lives? Yeah. Um, not as much as I should have been, even (laughs) though my family was incredibly cool about Mm -hmm. it. But they really were. It just came as like a little bit of a surprise when they first read the script because, of course, we're poking fun at everyone. And it's them, but it's not them, right? Exactly. It has to be them. I mean, we have to make a much larger-than-life version. And, you know, Dana and I were... When you're in the pitching mode, right, you're just coming up with an idea that no one has granted any permission to it's (laughs) just you hope they like the world you're not necessarily dignifying it enough to go ask for permission from the family because it may be you know like no harm no foul nobody wants it we were in that weird place of and you guys know this like everything changes so much so it's like we didn't want to give them the first draft because A they might fall in love with something that then goes away or they might not like something that winds up not being there anyway so it's like we were sort of waiting till we had network 
approval of what the draft would be. And at that point, it almost felt like we should have showed them earlier. <laughs> right. So we, it, that just sort of creeped up on us. <laughs> so we we sold it somewhere around there, maybe before the pitch, maybe uh-huh. after the pitch. <laughs> really, honestly, I, I think if uh, you asked my brother, it might have been after we pitched it. Sure. Uh, we shared with the family, oh, by the way, we pitched a, a TV show about our family. And they were like, oh, that's cool, without <laughs> knowing exactly <laughs> what we said. Right. And then cut to we write our script, it gets picked up, and we send them a script. And to be honest, that we would have maybe, like, kept them in the loop a little more along the way because the script, you know, we are sitting in our own little bubble just right. trying to write a funny, Absolutely. entertaining show. <clears throat> and we didn't, we, we like kind of took off our family hat and put on our writer hats. And yeah. it was entertaining and funny, but, you know, there were little things that might be construed. So after a conversation, which was very loving and everybody was very <laughs> supportive, we just changed a couple of things so it was a little less hewed to the actual mm-hmm. biographical information of <laughs> our, my, my brother, my yeah. dad, and my mother. In the show, uh, Mark has a younger brother. In reality, he has an older brother. Sure. The professions are different. you know. And some of the characters, of course, we have borrowed from different my parents mm-hmm. is, you know, we've, so no one is an exact replica for right. sure. But right. there are things in the pilot that, act, I mean, there's like three things right off the top of my head that actually happened from, my father asked me to shoot a viral video, we called it viral, <laughs> I assure you this video was never going viral, to promote his firm's estate planning business, oh, which I went to Herrick Feinstein on at Two Park Avenue and went into the law library <laughs> and acted with my father as if I were the eldest son of which, a family, and we have it. of oh, a bereaved family, God. and he's the executor of the estate it, it's horrendous <laughs> I, not entertaining DVD extra yes yes exactly it's very long um, <laughs> I, like most viral videos yeah I had a friend I had a, a sort of date and my father offered her melon and ended up shoving it down her throat uh, good. That, that, okay. I could have told that in a longer way, but I don't want to bore you. <laughs> that was um, in the pilot. That's in the yeah. pilot as well. We'll get in the pilot. Yeah. Um, and then the fact that my mother's always waiting by the door is so a part sorry. of the pilot. Although in the pilot, it, it's revealed that she pays the doorman to tell her when I'm coming up. <laughs> which is, which not, is actually, not true. Right? <laughs> not true. <laughs> that's really cute. Um, all right. I want to pick up there when we come back. Uh, but Davida, tell me about your breaking in story. This is the thing that our listeners love to hear. They are, for the most part, uh, writers with sort of a toe in the door. So how did you break in? How did you get your start in this industry? And what was the first piece of writing you got paid for? Ooh, the first piece of writing I got paid for. Um, well, that was on my first show, Constantine. It was my first episode, which I co-wrote with um, another great writer on the staff. And, um, you know, I sort of, I think I just sort of proven myself on the staff, which was great. I wasn't sure if I was going to get an episode because staff writers don't always get an yeah. episode. But, you know, I tried to be a team player and I tried to always bring in a lot of ideas. And about halfway through the season, the showrunner said that I was going to get an episode, which is very exciting. So So how did you get in the room in the first place? What had you been um, doing just before? So I um, am from New York. And um, after college, I knew I wanted to get into this business. But I was um, reticent to leave New York, but I knew I would have to eventually. So my first job was actually... Because TV was what you were Yes, TV was what I wanted to do specifically. And, you know, there is is some TV in New York, but I do think it's harder if you're going to start out there. So my first job out of college was at WME um, in the theater department because I grew up like in high school and college doing a bunch of theater. Like I was a stage manager. I did lights for a while, although I had to stop (laughs) doing lights because it gets a little lonely actually up in the booth kind of like (laughs) watching everyone do things below. 
Um, and so I wanted to like work in this business, but I didn't really know how to get started. And so someone had sort of told me that working in an agency is sort of like the grad school um, of the business. And so um, it certainly is a good foot. It was yeah, so it was a great foot on the door. And um, on in New York, they didn't really have they had a, a small scripted department, but only two agents um, were in the New York office. So. I decided to work in theater, which actually worked out well because a bunch of the playwrights there were also doing TV and also mm-hmm. doing film. And so I kind of got to dip my toe into a lot of different worlds. And while I was at WME, um, I realized I did not want to be an agent very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I applied to film school, which is the actual grad school mm-hmm. of um, grad <laughs> schools. And then I got into UCLA. So that was for me, that was a great way to move out here um, without just having to do it um, without any sort of structure or support. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I did my one year in New York, then I moved to L.A., I went to UCLA, and I was there for two years in the screenwriting program, got my MFA, and that was great. I mean, it was really intensive. You're essentially paying a lot of money um, <laughs> to write exclusively for yeah. two years. Um, I'm curious to hear about, yeah. you know, we've had a few people who have done the film programs, but I think probably not as recently as you have. Oh, yeah. Like, what? what are you being taught? Is it, are they just keeping you on deadlines? Are you taking like these film courses are you, yeah. are you getting TV stuff out of that um, well UCLA is amazing I, I'm not sure that they still have the showrunner track but they did when I was really? um, there I think honestly what happened is they used to have a showrunner track and then as TV started to sort of really get popular everyone wanted to be on the showrunner track <laughs> and so they decided to make it a little bit more um, you know equilateral right. so everyone could take these TV classes but the way the showrunner tract worked is that you did comedy the first year and drama the second year, and literally, like, UCLA is on the quarter system. So the first quarter, you write a spec. You learn how to write a spec. That's and the second, the second quarter, you write an original pilot. And in the third quarter, they have this class, which is amazing, called um, Running the Room, where we basically simulate being in a room, and then each class, someone is the showrunner, and you kind of get to see what everyone's style is in terms of, like, running the room, which is pretty great, actually. Yeah, so I'm curious I, yeah. to hear... <clears throat> what? How did you run the room? Uh, what did you do wrong? <laughs> and I did nothing did wrong. Right? What are you talking? About? No, I. Uh, I think what I did right is I've always been sort of. Um, I think I'm a very egalitarian leader, so I'm not someone who's like, you know, I we're friends outside of class, so I only want to hear your mm-hmm. ideas. I feel like I was pretty good at trying to bring everyone. Um, make everyone feel included and kind of hear their ideas. And I also started off um, our session with, like, an icebreaker so that everyone would feel like they were at ease and mm-hmm. not, like, stressed. Because it was weird. It's like, even though we're all, like, supposed to be practicing running the room, the teacher is also literally watching. And he was literally, he was great. This guy named Fred Rubin, who's had a huge, uh, a very long career um, teaching at UCLA. Um, but he would literally, like, take... Um, he would tally how many times you spoke, like how many times you pitched, which I found very wow. nerve-wracking. And so I didn't want the people who were like <laughs> my staff to feel like, you know, they had to be nervous about pitching. Yeah. So I tried to like make everyone feel like they can just talk and we were just having a conversation. That's great. Yeah. So, so was a, yeah. now you've been in at least three rooms yes. since then. Yeah. Was that good preparation for you? I think it was good preparation. Um, I mean, I think for me, like I, so I grew up, like I was very shy growing up. I think I I flocked to theater because it was a way to feel like I was part of a group without always having to like talk or, you know, put myself out there. I could kind of be behind the scenes and know that I was helping to put on these Mm -hmm. like great productions without actually having to like act or perform, which I find terrifying. (laughs) Um, So for me growing up, like I was... I wrote because I didn't like talking. And then I, it's funny that I came, I was attracted to this business because 
what people don't realize is that there's a lot of talking. And there's so talking. it's like I thought, I, you know, you break in and it's like, okay, I'm going to write scripts and it's going to be amazing. And then you get into a room and it's like um, you're not writing anything until you actually, like, can speak and pitch your ideas coherently and, you know, be able to be a part of a group. So I think that was actually a good thing for me because yeah. I really had to come out of my shell a lot. And I also hated talking about myself, which is sometimes still difficult for me. But you really have to be able to, like, you know, hone your stories as you guys are, you know, know very well and are doing right now. Um, and be able to bring your ideas that often come from your own life into a room. So yeah, I think that was a great that's, lesson that's great for me. Advice too. Yeah. Um, all right. So you went through the program. You yes. came out with material. I came out with <laughs> I came out with material, sort of. I mean, so the thing about the quarter system, it's ten weeks, and UCLA also has a rule about no rewriting. So I probably wrote. I know, which is. Uh, uh, I mean, I sometimes I hated it. Sometimes I loved it. You know, I probably wrote like 10 scripts in those two years, like features and mm -hmm. um, pilots. And I would say most of those were trash. Like I would never show them to anyone. But what that process helped me with is one, not being precious. Although now that I'm actually a professional writer, I feel like I am still precious. But <laughs> I stopped it's being precious for those that. two years yeah. um, because you can't look back. And it's like yeah. you have 10 weeks. You got to develop it and get it on the page and stop like being in your head. Um, you know, so you just get it out. And I, a lot of those scripts will never, ever see the light of day. And they probably never should have been pilots but I think it's helpful to just keep writing you get a lot of your bad stuff out so you can get to your good stuff and I came out of that program um, with one spec actually a scandal spec that I used to apply to the fellowship programs and I eventually did writers on the verge okay. and I came out with one pilot that has gone through many rewrites but the original version of that pilot helped me get a manager mm -hmm. and I and honestly once I rewrote it it helped me get my first two jobs Really? So I did come out so with it was, some it material. Sort of does the sample for yes. you for those jobs. Yeah, but I think you really like you know what you get out of film school is what you put in, and I'm someone who like I'm a New Yorker, so I can't help but hustle, and I wanted to you know come out and work, and so I worked really hard, and I interned while I was in school, and I really just wanted to come out of film school with like things that I could show people and that I yeah. could use. That's great, and I think you know you, we can't overstate how much of working in TV is hustling to get the work in TV. Yes. <laughs> like, especially early on. But even yeah. once you've had those first couple jobs, oh, yeah. you're working to stay in it. Has this been you, your experience for you guys as well? Yeah, I mean, my story is, is kind of similar. I'm from New York as well, and I was tend to be <laughs> uh, more shy. Uh, so it's interesting running a room. It's not, you know, it's something I've definitely had to work work at. It's not my natural <laughs> state. Um but yeah, for sure. I remember, oh my gosh, I wrote so many specs and mm -hmm. I was working at Comedy Central as an assistant in New York and knew that I wanted to do this, knew I'd be moving to LA, but just like after work, just I would just eat Chinese food and write <laughs> specs. Which I mean, and, and again, like you had this in school and you got to do this on your own, but just turning out material, even if it's bad, is such an amazing learning experience. Yes. Right? That's absolutely. how you learn to write. Yes. Uh, it and And getting an agent for me was... I think a very pivotal thing like mm -hmm. that was so hard and How did then, it happen? um so I knew no one in this world at all uh except for like a friend of my parents the sister of someone they knew uh Diane Wilk was running the nanny at the time the show with Fran Drescher <laughs> And God bless her, she, like, let me come and uh, and sit in the room, which, mm. I, I mean, I would never do. <laughs> I, I don't know. I've never heard of that happening. But it was so fun. So I got to see, like, what it was to be yeah. in a comedy room. And then um, she put me in touch. She uh, was at William Morris at the time. 
and put me in touch with her agent, and I wrote a spec that at first they were like, this is not good enough. So I just went back and kept reworking the spec. I mean, it took like almost a year, I would say, to, it was a Seinfeld spec, Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, finally got it to the place where, you know, then a few different agencies wanted to meet with me, and so off of that, and then I got my first job off of that script. What was that first gig? It was a show called Jesse with Christina mm-hmm. Applegate, and that was also done by uh, Bright Kaufman Crane, who had done Friends. Oh, right. So that yeah, was yeah. my sort of. I started on Jesse, and then I went to Becker, and then I came back. Oh, yeah. interesting. So um, let, I want to talk about the rooms on some of those shows, but I want to start talking about rooms with you, Mark, because you are in a room now. Yeah. You were saying <laughs> you've been in this writer's room on uh, 9JKL. Is this the first writer's room you've sat in on? 100%. First How, tell me about your impressions of it. Um, you don't have to comment on your wife's uh, managerial style. Uh, she's fantastic. <laughs> I mean, she's truly fantastic. Not only is she funny and smart, but she's kind to everybody, includes everybody, and she's constantly keeping in her head where we are with every script. I mean, she will break down for everybody without pausing we have three scripts. At the, we have 102, 103, or 104 at the network, 105, 106 are at the studio, 107, 108, 9 <laughs> story area documents are at Capitol. Like she just keeps it all in her head, and she's on every document. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am not on every document, <laughs> um, which is good for the show. But I have been in a position over the last month and a half where da- we divide the room into, ha- in, in, into halves, um, which is just something that's very useful to do because mm-hmm. we get more done. We have ten writers and and one consultant who's there twice a week. So on two days we have eleven. So it's a big group yeah. to all be together. And we have a lot of really amazing, really experienced them. writers. So Great it's stuff. never like it's up to me. But <laughs> I have felt because it is our show and it is yeah. loosely autobiographical that I am in a position of more power than other people in the room. You, mean, you know some things that they may not. Yeah. You may and have, so uh, there yeah. have been times where I feel the pressure to keep track of the story and I get so uh, I get so lost sometimes really? in the beats <laughs> of the story because um, they're ever changing yeah. and um, you know the five plot points could be reversed, rearranged and then uh, somebody says something and, 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 and it's about sort of gauging what is the best iteration at any yeah. given moment in the room. And, and the iteration is changing every second. So I'm very grateful for the brilliant writers. Uh, you know, I, I, don't wanna, I would want to name the whole room because every one yes. of them is brilliant. But, like, who can just stop yeah. and put it on the board or just lay out what we have and I can take a breath and go, okay, right, that's where we are at this moment. Yeah, That may be the best description of the way story is talked <laughs> about in a room that we've had on this show because it really is like this moving animal, yeah. right, that you're constantly trying to keep track of. Has it gotten any easier for you as you go through? A little bit, a mm-hmm. little bit. I mean, like I, you're learning I, how you, to read the it's, room. It's really like an e- exercise in, if you want to get like deep or something, non-attachment because yeah, you can't for sure. latch on to anyone one piece um, and sometimes you are attached to it because it was something either you thought of or is close to your own life yeah Yeah. Um, but when you got to kind of go with the tide and feel the way the room is going and and I trust so much in the people around me that uh there's no love lost when you move on to a new version. Every That's once in a while, like last night we were there rewriting, and I think it wasn't even a late night. It was, what, like 8, 15? And Mark was like, 
wow, writers work hard. <laughs> like, every once in a while, he'll be like, right. I, normally, I just get the script and he didn't right. necessarily yeah, think no, about it. No, I mean, all I'm now that. watching the actors skip off after a 2.30 right. run through, a 3.30, like, bye, guys. Uh, that was fun when I used to do that. Um, but I, I truly treasure this experience. I feel it was such a privilege to be yeah, there. Yeah, is it, is it pushing a different button in you? Uh, Absolutely. To what acting pushes? Absolutely. And, and, I mean, this is going to sound maybe kind of simplistic, but and it's true for drama as well, but it's a little more evident to me in comedy because there's a reaction, which is laughter. These people who, out of thin air, pull brilliant comedy, there is no substitute for that talent. And you could sit there, I mean, for hours with people who just don't have it, and you wouldn't be laughing <laughs> and you wouldn't have a great script. And yeah. we are blessed with all these brilliant, funny people um, to make you know, this world funny and fun to watch. Yeah, that's really neat. Um, I want to ask about uh, something that you touched on, um, and uh, you did as well, Davida, this idea of not getting attached to mm-hmm. ideas <laughs> and letting go of the ego in the room. Um, once you were actually in the room, first on Constantine, and then, you, like I said, you've been in a bunch of rooms since, has that gotten easier for you? Do you still feel precious about ideas, and how do you let it go? Um I think it really depends on the idea. Like there are there are ideas that I sometimes have where, you know, if they get shot down, I probably will go back to my office and nurse my wounds a little bit. But and that's okay. I think, you know, we can all have our feelings and feel things, but <laughs> I think the key is to not um disrupt the room mm-hmm. with your ego or your feelings. I mean, I think every room there there probably needs to be a healthy level of debate. So especially, you know, as you move up, move up the ranks, you can always um fight for your idea. I think everyone in a room usually appreciates passion and appreciates you um, really feeling strongly about something. Because if you feel strongly about an idea, then chances are someone watching the show might feel, might feel the same. But I think it's about reading the room. And if you're pitching something that you feel attached to, but like, and you fought for it, you know, maybe once, or, once maybe twice, <laughs> and it's still not landing, you probably just have to let it go and like, you know, go write your own thing and put it in your pilot. Like, right. sure. it just, the ideas don't go away. Yes, it is the way it is. And, you know, TV is collaborative. It's a, it's a group business and you just can't, you know, it's not, it's not all about you. And I feel like that's something that you just have to embrace mm-hmm. as you, you know, go through the process. What is the tenor of the room on Queen Sugar? It's such a, it's an interesting show in that, like, you're straddling a number of genres on yeah. it. Um, so, like, who, what's the makeup of the room, and and how do you guys how do you guys work? How's it run? Yeah, I mean, so there were seven of us, I believe, and it's a very diverse room. I mean, it's a, it's a drama about a black family living in Louisiana, and we had, um, I think, four black writers and one um, Latina writer, one Asian writer, and one um, one white writer, and it was like majority women so five women and two men so it it has been a really diverse room and that's lovely because it's a show that really I think requires a lot of different perspectives absolutely um you would think that every show would but yes (laughs) yes yes, I do think every show does but you know it it, uh, the business works the way it works um but you know I probably have felt the most precious about ideas on this show just because um you know it's the first show that I've written on that has been about black people and mm-hmm. as a black person I sometimes feel very strongly about the things that I'm pitching for this show um, but in terms of the way the room works you know 
it is sort of best idea wins out. You know, I think there's there's sort of a hierarchy on every show, no matter you know right. where you go, as there should be, because you know I respect experience, and if people have been doing something longer than I have, then you know I can definitely appreciate that. But I do think you know we tried to be very. Um, egalitarian on the show and I always felt like I had a voice and that people wanted to hear what I was going to say and it's a show that a lot of different people watch you know different Mm -hmm. ages different races and different makeups and so I think in the room we really tried to just listen to everyone and really get into some healthy um healthy maybe sometimes spirited uh (laughs) discussions about what would be best to depict and these spirited discussions (laughs) which this is going to come to you in a moment but (laughs) these spirited discussions um I assume you have a, a showrunner who paints the target. Yes. Um, so that's the person who's sort of guiding you all and can eventually say yes or no. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we had a great showrunner. I mean, the show is created by Ava DuVernay, who's amazing, right. um, but is doing a million things. Right. And so she's entrusted the show um, to our showrunner this season, Monica Maser, mm-hmm. who is just a veteran and has worked on you know a million things in the business, um, Prison Break and Lost and Nashville and... I think she was just a very calming force in the room, a calming guide, and she always wanted to hear from everyone. And she definitely, you know, set the tone in terms of um, spirit and just being a lovely, kind person. And even when we would have these spirited discussions, like, you know, I think everyone respects everyone else. And I feel like that's really where it begins. As long as we're all respecting each other's ideas, then you can kind of, you know, listen to other perspectives and sometimes maybe even build on an idea because you brought in elements of someone else's idea, even if you don't necessarily mm-hmm. use, you know, every single facet of what was pitched. Yeah. And which I think is also a good reason to pitch. Right. Right. Like get, right. get the stuff out there because it's going to change. Right. Shape and people are going to latch on to certain things. Right. And throw away certain parts of it. Yeah. And that's a hard thing. I think that's a hard thing to embrace when you're starting out. Yeah. I feel like when I was beginning, like I was scared to pitch because it's sort of like, well, if they reject it, then it sucks and I suck. But then you realize like, you know, your your idea might not be taken as is that people, you know, they can be influenced by it. They can take things from it. And it's really I think television is just it's sort of an alive thing. A script mm-hmm. is always alive and you can always add things um, from different people's brains, and that's what makes it great. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is truly collaborative yes. in that way. Um, Dana, I want to ask about those first few rooms that you were on, Jesse and Becker and then Friends, um, and and what you've taken from those, what you mm-hmm. learned from those rooms. Was Jesse run... Uh, who, who was running the show? So Ira Ungerleiter created the show, okay. and he was running it along with Steve Nathan. Mm-hmm. Um, so he had come from the Friends He camp, had come from and Friends, he... and so he developed it, like, uh, I guess, with uh, Marta and David. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they would come to run-throughs and stuff, but they were very rarely in the room. Sure. He was pretty much, you know, they were, have other, had two other shows at the time. Right. Um, and so it was super fun. I was just so, I mean, I still feel so lucky to get to be paid to do this job. It's just so <laughs> yeah. fun. Um, so, but, you know, you get your first job and it's like, it's very exciting. I was so happy. It was a, a great staff. I mean, I've learned things from every place I've worked and um, everyone has a different style, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but um it was it was great. I mean, it was fun. It's he was like thirty at the time, yeah. so now it seems like such a baby. <laughs> but I was twenty four, I think. So, um, you know, he seemed so wise, and uh, it, it was it was super fun. Uh, we, we've talked. Uh, I've talked to a number of the Friends writers over the years, but mostly the ones from the earlier seasons who talked about what a democratic room yes. that was and how 
as much as Martin and David had such a guiding hand, a strong guiding hand, they would get into arguments about yes. names of characters and what Joey would or wouldn't do. Yeah. Was I, it still like that when you got there at, at season eight? You know, the the hours were better when I got <laughs> there. I mean, they, <laughs> they had only been, could have been. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but uh, there was so much talent and everyone cared so much. And so it, it was fun. But yeah, we would. I was thinking about this the other day because we would have, you know, there were a lot of like coming up with new stories after the table read and and we just would do it and um <laughs> and they'd be great and then of course the actors were so amazing but there was a ton of rewriting um mm-hmm. so now it, it's been sort of great because if i get like that is sort of my barometer so like we got notes yesterday i'm like oh they're nothing you know they didn't want to throw out the <laughs> yeah, story exactly. so it seems um did they ever throw out the story on Friends? Oh, we we would do it all the time. I mean, but yeah. after a run through, yeah, after, yes, yes, we would change. I, you know, it was three <laughs> stories, wow. so it wasn't just like one A story that you're throwing uh-huh. out. But we would often come up with new stories. Sure, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, that's really interesting. And then um, I went to Becker, yeah. where we never threw out stories. It was, um, and the hours were. We would go home at Who like five Becker? or six. So this guy Dave Hackle, okay. um, and that was a, another great skill. Like he was very decisive, and mm-hmm. um, the hours were great. And it, you know, it was, it was, it was so incredibly well run. And it was a smaller room, so it was just a very different um, experience. They were both very well run uh, and both great. Did you feel like you, as a young writer, got your voice on th- at those sh- early shows? You know, Friends, I was coming in, and I, I was new. A lot of people had been there a yeah. long time, and it was a bigger staff, and it, you know, I mean, I, so I was, I was, I'd say more intimidated to mm-hmm. speak out there. Um, and then, of course, I don't know if you ever had the experience, and I still have it, where, like, <laughs> you'll pitch something, and it won't get traction, and you're like, maybe no one heard. Maybe I should pitch it again. <laughs> and, like, everyone's always heard. Right. Don't pitch it again. Um, have, you, did you, have you done that? Uh, I definitely have done that. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> or maybe I didn't say it right. I'm going to try again. Um, but, yeah, it's fun. You learn, you know, you never want to be that person right, on staff. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure it's, I was But, but, but there's one, it's one thing to know that going in, right? And then to be in the moment. Right. And be like, no, I know this is a good idea. Right. It's so hard to quell that. So what have you guys done to, like, train yourselves to be in that room, in the room? Is it just being in the room? Um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it, in this position now, it's different. Right. And I think often it's like, it does, there's not always one way to do something, but we're going to pick this way. We're going to yeah. try it. And in a multicam, you know, we have the benefit of getting to hear it and mm-hmm. having two run-throughs where we can rewrite it if it doesn't work. So that's always nice. And even on stage at a live show, we can do alts and stuff. So um, that's something I feel like I learned a lot from the last time I was in this position to now Mm -hmm. and just sort of like making a decision, don't Mm -hmm. second guess it. It might be wrong, but if it's wrong, it'll be wrong. (laughs) At least there's a decision made. Let's just move. Well, the the thing has to move forward. It has to move, yeah. I wanted to ask you, Mark, it comes up... um, every so often on the podcast, the relationship between show writers and creators and their actors. And, you know, the way that a a writer has to listen to an actor because an actor lives with the character 24 hours a day in the way a writer doesn't. Um, I'm especially curious about your time on Royal Pains, which was like, that was a pretty long-running show. Mm -hmm. You were this character for a long time. Um, 
what was the collaboration like with the creator, with the writing staff? It was heaven. I mean, it was the greatest. I look back on those eight years like um, I can't imagine somebody else ever felt as close to their showrunners as That's I did. Great. How about now? You're married <laughs> to one? Still not. No, I mean, I feel, I feel close to you, but I thought, no. Um, no it, really it will good. never be as close as this. Uh, but Michael Rausch and Andrew Lancheski, uh, Andrew Lancheski had written the pilot for mm-hmm. Royal Pains, and I had known him before that uh-huh. through a connection, uh, a, a prosthodontist in New York, take, took out my wisdom teeth, by the way, I've got 700 <laughs> of stories like that, I can assure you. That's amazing. Um, and so we'd been friends, and then I heard about his pilot, and then I was in contention for it, and I was so happy to get it. And then when they were hiring his sort of mentor mm-hmm. writer guy, I was a little right. bit part of that conversation because I knew Michael Rausch, who was being asked to do it, because he and I had gone to New York high schools, and oh, we no played way. football against each other in high school and <laughs> in college when we played in this lightweight football That's league. so funny. And we were friends. I mean, we <laughs> hung out with the same group who all came to L.A. at different times. And uh, I was, you know, completely supportive of it being Michael, and Michael was into it, so I, we had a great chat where I told him, you got to do it, you got to do it. But he did it on his own merits, and um, it was a confederacy of menches, this this group. Uh, I just love them so much. I still consider them like brothers. And so there was literally no line between the writers and actors Hmm. in the sense of like love and friendship and collaboration. And they respected every idea I ever had. They let me direct. I got to direct five episodes of Royal Pains where, you know, I stepped from my narrow focus on my character to telling the story of all characters visually, which was a big leap for me. Um, and whenever we had thoughts about what felt comfortable to say and what our character might be doing in a certain plot line, they listened. I trusted them implicitly, mm-hmm. so there were not a lot of putting my foot down. Right. Well, um, that's really what it comes down to, right? Is yeah. that you trust them to tell the story and to do right by the characters. You know, not necessarily always a positive thing, but to be true to the characters. Yes. And, you know, the writing process, as I'm learning every day now... they've conceived of this storyline so far in advance of when we're getting it and we're shooting it to go into the math of what they've figured out and worked out and then suffered through several rounds of notes on uh, is a a little presumptuous, but there are questions you have and you want to figure it out and you ask them, but uh, I respected how much work they had done and I didn't know till now how hard it can be and I... I, I didn't realize what a world the writer's room is. Like, yeah. you're in your own world. You think it's all about you actors. <laughs> you're well, the, you're the faces on the show. And then you realize, it. no, the DNA of yeah. the show is so much deeper. And the people who make it bring so much of their it's you so know funny. heart and mind to it. And I'm just actually so grateful to see that now. <laughs> That's great. That's good to hear. Um, I want to talk, uh, I want to dig in on process for you guys for a minute um, and talk about when you are on script. Mm-hmm. What does your day look like? How how do you actually get the writing done? Sure. If I'm being really honest, the day yeah. starts out with me procrastinating. <laughs> get up. Like, definitely, it's like, okay, I have a deadline. This is due <laughs> at this time. Probably going to, like, read some articles and, you know, 
avoid work for a little mm-hmm. bit. I'm, I'm just being totally honest, even though I know I shouldn't. But then, like, <laughs> how I, long does that go on? Probably like a good hour, an hour and a half. But I think I've come to realize that it's just part of the process. Mm-hmm. I feel like your brain, ha- you have to prepare your brain to do the amount of work that it requires to like write something and be in other be in the characters voices and um heads so i just feel like it's sort of like okay brain we're going to do this later but first we're going to like read this great article and then we're going to get to that so that's all i sort of the beginning and then um i don't know like i my mom will sometimes call me and be like, so you just get paid to think, basically, right? And I'm like, yeah, that's kind of what I do. So I feel like after the procrastination, then I'm sort of just thinking about, you know, what I want the script to be or what I want to put in a script. It's a lot of just sort of um, getting yourself re- getting yourself ready to kind of immerse yourself mm-hmm. in um, in the work. And on like on Queen Sugar, yeah. how, how in-depth are your outlines? Um, they're very, very in depth. Okay. We're probably ri- we, we're probably writing like twenty page outlines. Wow. Yeah, so we really again. I think part of that is because we have sort of a a showrunner and a creator. So mm-hmm. I think you know us having really in depth outlines helps Ava a lot because then even though she's not in the room every day, she can read the outlines. Um, and know exactly what each scene is going to look yeah, like. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, I actually like that process too because, you know, I think in terms of writing, the hard part is actually in the outline because mm-hmm. that's when you actually are thinking about what's happening in each scene and like what each character wants right. and, you know, what the dialogue might sound like. So if you have a really great outline, sometimes the script is actually, I don't, I mean, not a breeze. I feel like that's not appropriate, <laughs> but <laughs> it's easier. Well, uh, it can also yeah. feel, I mean, I've only had this experience a little bit, but when you get to a script after a real in depth outline like that, it can be sort of boring. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, try, I mean, because what's your job yeah. when you're going from outline to script? I think there. I think it depends on the show. There are some shows where it's like, okay, you have this outline. This script better sound and look just like this outline right. did. And I think there are other shows where you can kind of put in a surprise, and there's room for discovery when you're writing. Mm-hmm. And it's you know, if you find is Queen Sugar the latter. For I you. think Queen Sugar is the latter. I mean, I think we all just want to because you know it's a family drama and it's very character based. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you write something in an outline and you get to the script and it's like, well, maybe that's not working out as well as we thought it might when we were conceiving of it in the room. And so you know, you call your showrunner, you call Ava, and you're just kind of like, what about this instead? And you know, sometimes it's no, sometimes it's yes. But when it's yes, then it's amazing, and that's you just cool. can, you know, you change it and you put it in the script. So, yeah, I mean, I guess that's that's sort of the process. That's great. And how long do you usually have to write? A um, usually about a week. Okay. Yeah, so it's a which reasonable is, amount of time. It is a reasonable amount of time. And do you get it done? Are you doing oh, it the day before? Are you doing no, it? No, I, I get it done. I try to do right. a little bit each each day if I can, because I don't want to be crazy, you know, at the end, right before a deadline. And yeah. deadlines are are hard, and I find them difficult. And you know. Even if I have a whole week, I'm probably still writing up until the very last minute. Even if, even if it's just me going back and rewriting other things, I just can't help it. It's mm-hmm. just me, neurotic me. Um, but, you know, I feel like every minute that you use is usually beneficial. So I yeah. try to use all of it wisely if I can. No, makes sense. And then are you guys doing rewrites? Is the showrunner doing rewrites? Um Usually we do be right. Okay, so you'll get notes. Yeah, we get notes, first. and then you know Ava is very involved. It's still it's her baby, so sometimes she does be rights too. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so 
That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then are you guys there for, or do you produce your episodes? Yes. I. Um, this is actually my first time getting to go to set, which is amazing. And cool. we shoot in um, New Orleans. Mm-hmm. So that was also amazing. Um, and I went down to set for two weeks in April before, you know, the humidity just kind of takes yeah. out Louisiana <laughs> completely. Um, and it was great. We have really amazing actors on the yeah. show. And the show just kind of feels like a movement sometimes. Like, I just think people are really invested in it and invested in seeing these sorts of characters on television. So everyone who works on the show is just so grateful and happy to be there. And I feel the same. And it was just amazing to, you know, get to go to set and actually see what goes into making mm-hmm. each episode and see, you know, meet all the grips and meet yeah. all, I meet the DP and You're everyone the opposite who, experience exa- <laughs> exactly, exactly. Oh, there are more people involved with this <laughs> than the eight people I see yeah. every day. <laughs> so that, I mean, it was amazing and I was, I was very happy to get That's to go great. and produce it. Nice. Yeah. Um, I'm, I want to ask the same question of you guys specifically about nine JKL. What was the writing process like and how does it differ from when you're writing something on your own, Dana? Um, well, for, are you talking about for the pilot or mm-hmm. for now? Uh, for the pilot, uh, it was great. I mean, we would sit at that coffee shop once we had our story. There were several. There was graffiti on uh-huh. La Brea. There was <laughs> Cafe Primo near Soul Cycle. Yeah, when work and out. we would move around. But um, it was it was really nice to have. I'd never really worked with a partner before. Uh, just a you know oh, fun, one other yeah. partner. And so it was great, and I think it works so great with Mark because I can be so honest yeah. with him in a way that I probably might not be with someone who I was worried about hurting their feelings or whatever. Yes, she would have a very honest response to many of my pitches, which was this. Shh. No, that's not true. That's not true. Um, but it, it was great. I, I think we had a lot of fun. Actually, if I remember correctly, we each wrote a... A we, half, right? We took uh, every other scene and wrote our scenes mm-hmm. individually, and then we would bring them Yeah, to then each we put other. it all together. Okay, so you broke it all together. We broke it all together. Up. We did the outline yeah. together. Then, just to save time, we sure. each took a, an act, and then we went through it and went through it together. Uh, but I remember, yeah. <laughs> like, I remember uh, there's a scene. I mentioned my father made asked me to do a viral video. There was the scene of shooting the viral video, and we had talked briefly about there might be like a kind of film student geeky guy mm-hmm. who's shooting it for the firm who might be an intern at the law firm. That guy became like Robert De Niro. <laughs> he became the star of the scene. The scene was like seven pages long. And I'm like, honey, I think I went too far here. I think I had a little too much fun. She's like, yeah, that's like a half page scene. That scene does not want to be that long. Right. Yeah. And she kind of You've got to get out that version. But it was fun to write. <laughs> that's really and, funny. Uh, well, that, and that was my question. Like, what did you learn from, like, obviously Dana's been doing this for a long time. What did you learn from her? And Dana, what did you get from Mark that maybe you hadn't experienced because you'd been writing by yourself? Well, one of her many skills, and there are many, <laughs> is her ability to remember the good stuff. And uh-huh. and that skill, which sounds real obvious, is not. There are so many different iterations of jokes and yeah. uh, sometimes when I'm looking at it and I'm and it's dizzying, um, I could keep story points that just won't work as right. a part of the whole. And every time Dana would do her magic thing on our script or our outline, 
it just took shape and I just got so excited to see, oh good, the good stuff that I loved is still here (laughs) and yay. And uh, the fat that I had created was trimmed. (laughs) But we are now group writing our scripts, Mm -hmm. which was, yeah, we we really went back and forth on that and I've done it both ways. It was Um, such a good decision by Dana. And we're very happy with that decision. Where did you group write in the past? So typically I would just do it if you're behind and and it's just a time thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But I know Chuck Lorre does all of his shows that way. Yeah, a number of comedies do now. Yeah, and it it makes a lot of sense, I think, um, certainly in the first year of a show. We've had and it's so much fun. It. I mean, I know it's it, super I know fun. Writers. We can bang out a script in two and a half days, yeah. um, and it's great. And you know, even the best script that comes in, you still table it as a room. So I, I just mm-hmm. feel like it's, and that takes two two right. days mm-hmm. typically. So you're so, almost skipping that step. Yeah, we're just sort of skipping that step, and we also have really detailed outlines, which mm-hmm. I think is really helpful. So yeah, that's been really fun. Oh, that's really writing. cool. Have you had to do that on a, yeah, a drama? Yeah, I've, I've actually done it both ways. On The Family, my showrunner there, mm-hmm. Jenna Bands, who's amazing, oh. she came from the Shondaland camp, and they, they do group write all of their oh. scripts um, in that camp, wow. as far as I know. Hopefully yeah. that's correct, but I think it is. No, I think so, I've heard that too. Yeah, so we group wrote on The Family, and I found, I mean, I really liked it, actually. Um, again, you can bang out a script in like two or three right. days, and um, then Jenna could kind of take it away and do her own thing and add some stuff and then bring it back and table it in the room and we'd all give notes. I thought it worked pretty well. But that's interesting to hear from someone who, at least in the beginning, had trouble talking out the ideas. Oh, yes. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, but but you've taken to that kind of... I have. Writing. I mean, I think I I like group writing. I, I prefer solo writing just because I'm someone who kind of... I like to go into a cave and then I come back with, like, a creation. <laughs> right. But, you know, working on a show, I can definitely see the pros to group writing and I don't I don't mind it I might not do it if I were running my own show but I don't think it's a bad way to do it at all sure that makes sense um let's uh before we wrap up I want to ask you guys the sort of uh, secret origin story uh and that is what what was the stuff you were taking in as a young person that made you want to do the thing that you're doing what were you inspired by early on was there a lightning bolt having watched something having read something anyone who wants to Hmm. jump in I'd always loved TV. I mean, I would go home and watch TV from like 3.30 to 7.30. I don't know what my parents were doing. but um, And it was a lot of half hours, yeah. all half hours. Um, but you were also an avid reader, so you had the I intellectual av- part yes. too. Yes, I, I read a ton. And I'd always liked writing. Mm-hmm. I'd always liked short stories and stuff like that. I didn't even consider it as a career. And then I was watching TV one day and literally like the written by came up. And I was like, huh. I was going to go to law school. Um, Do you remember what it was LSATs. you were watching? Yes, it was. Uh, it was. <laughs> I'm glad I asked. It was that show Savannah, mm-hmm. which is not even a genre that I uh, watch now or write, but it. Um, I liked. I got into it. It was like a guilty pleasure. So good. And then the written by came up, and I was like, "Huh." And then I took a sitcom writing class at the School of Visual Arts in New York, and I I just really liked it. And then oh, I went out and spent time in the nanny room, and then I was like, definitely. How was that class run? Was it run like a writer's room? No. Okay. Uh, but it was very helpful in terms of format and all that. Mm-hmm. When I was working, I was working uh, as an assistant at Comedy Central mm-hmm. at the time, and the t- person who was teaching that writing class they were trying to get a job. Like, I got their resume one day, and I was like, oh, that's <laughs> But um, 
but yeah, so it, it was, it was, it was bolts, very right? helpful for the nuts and bolts gotcha. and just like that I liked it. And then I would, I started watching TV in a different way where I would like, hmm. you know, pause at that time it was VCR. So yeah. I would pause and like write what happened in that scene and then really kind of see how Which, it And that's out. a great way. I mean, I still yeah. recommend to people that mm-hmm. it's a great way to learn how mm-hmm. TV especially works is just to deconstruct it, yes. right? Reverse engineer how an episode yeah. came together. Absolutely. Um, what about you guys? What do you, yeah, do you I mean, I feel like in your brain? Dana and I have had parallel lives. I feel like <laughs> my answer is your is it answer. Savannah? <laughs> Not Savannah, but and I, um, I was a latchkey kid growing up, and so I watched a lot of television when I get home, and also read a lot as well. And I just really loved TV, and I loved like you know I love movies too, but even now I love the idea of following characters mm-hmm. over you know, several seasons, several years and like growing up with them. So when I was like 16, um, I was really into like angsty teen dramas. Like I love the OC. I was really into the OC. The OC is great. OC is a great show. And there was another show on ABC that only lasted one season, but it was called Life As We Know It. And it was about these three um, teenage guys who are just like living life and being angsty and it was awesome and I just wanted to write stuff like that and I didn't I guess I didn't quite know that I wanted to write but working um backstage in theater sort of in high school and then in college I kind of it kind of hit me then that people actually do that as a career and I at first kind of wanted to stay in New York and maybe work in theater but then I realized that um you don't make enough money for all the crazy (laughs) that you have to deal with so I thought you know maybe I'll try tv and then that's kind of how I got into it that's great uh what about you Mark uh, for me, it started with doing imitations of comedians mm-hmm. as a kid. Uh, my, we would often be at dinner with my father and some clients, and my father would say, Mark, do Eddie Murphy. Mark, do Andrew Dice Clay. Oh, and so I would just <laughs> do my Steve Martin. I knew the wild and crazy guy. I still know those <laughs> routines a little bit. And that was really fun for me and, and a high to perform and get a laugh. Uh, but in high school, I was completely focused on like following in my father's footsteps and being a lawyer and building a good resume to get into a good college. And then I was in a good college and I was doing the same thing, doing a lot of extracurricular activities, following a track that I thought would like get me into a good law school, which is kind of ridiculous <laughs> anyway, because they don't want you just because you've been a part of the Hillel or played lightweight football. <laughs> oh, my God, we got to have him as a lawyer. Um, so on the way to football practice, freshman year, I auditioned for a play. Uh, my audition did not go well. It was for a, a great play called Orphans. Uh, no, uh, for Burn This, a play by Lanford Wilson to play the John Malkovich character, Pale, hmm. who was a modern Mozart genius, but he cursed a lot. So I thought, oh, this is Andrew Dice Clay. And I went in to read the final letter. Uh, Dear Pale, I can't take it anymore. Living with you is unmanageable when you're done reading. Burn this! The director was like, okay, thank you. But I got the next play called Orphans by Lyle Kessler and and that led me to do 15 plays in college. Oh, wow. And um, then, uh, then, I, then I became an actor. And I guess you know, the one thing that wasn't said to me, because it took me a long time to come to writing, uh, Judd Apatow, there's a story of him telling all those guys on Freaks and Geeks, like, listen, you guys are all different looking and you're not Brad Pitt, so no one's going to write you a movie to star in. So go do it mm-hmm. yourself. And, you know, they all did it in their respective ways, and they were all brilliant at what they've done. And I kind of wish somebody had said that to me a little earlier because Mm -hmm. it's true. And I remember a lot of times sitting in my apartment in Santa Monica when I could have been, you know, developing, outlining. Um, And the thing at the Writer's Boot Camp, which is a helpful place in Santa Monica where they say the key to writing is writing. And and that was another problem I had, which was just sitting down and writing. I did Writer's Boot Camp, too, by the way. Did you? And I want to give them props. After that class, yes. And that I did. They were doing a TV one at the time. And that was super helpful. 
that was like, yes. I was what like, was helpful about it? Um, the guy who was teaching it uh, had had experience. Uh, I think he was on Seinfeld for like a season or two. Mm-hmm. I, la- not Larry David. I think it was Larry <laughs> Charles. Um, and he just, it, it was just sort of like the first class, like times a hundred. Like it was more, um, just sort of went in depth more. And, mm-hmm. and the script that I wrote out of that one was, was stronger. Um, probably because it was not my first, but also I think he was helpful just structure-wise. And he was very encouraging. Um, um, I'm always curious about uh, spec scripts uh, mm-hmm. of original of um, shows that exist, mm-hmm. and you guys both wrote them. Which uh, it's it's a thing that's not done as frequently yeah. anymore. They're great for getting into fellowships and things like that. But I think it's a great way to learn the structure and all that. But you wrote a scandal. I did. What was your scandal about? Um, oh God, I don't even know if I remember. <laughs> Seriously, I think it was about. Um, oh shoot, this is terrible. I think it was about a. Uh, like a Kennedy-esque family mm-hmm. who sort of had, like, um, a younger sibling that they were kind of ashamed of and was, like, in rehab. And then I, Olivia comes in to... Um, there's, like, some scandal while he's in rehab and Olivia has to come in and, like, hide it because this family is, like, you know, the face of, like, right. politics. The yeah, so the Kennedys. I All think right. that's A combination right. of many of the shows you... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and you wrote a Seinfeld for that I first wrote one. everything. Oh, my gosh. I wrote a Did Veronica's you? Closet one year. Oh, my God. That I love was, it. Yeah, that, was, <laughs> that, that one didn't get me far. But uh, it was, you know, it was coming out, and I wanted to write what that's would be funny. the next hot thing. Um, <laughs> Which it was on for a couple of years. Like, that's not... That, a, that wasn't no, a bad one. That was also... Created. Yes, yes. Um... And then I also wrote a Raymond um, mm-hmm. later on. Yeah, that got me work. Yes, when I was coming up, no one wrote no. original material. It was yeah. all specs. Um, and now, I mean, I don't think I read any specs. Oh, it was, I was all, curious about that. So you like, read all for the originals. past few years, it's all originals. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it's a very different skill. And really, when you're hiring a writer, you're hiring them to actually, a spec might be in some ways. Uh, more helpful can they get it's a voice. what the job is, right? Yeah. For but a, then story-wise, I guess, right. I mean, it's all helpful. But pilots are so hard anyway. Yes. That to ask someone to write one just to get a job on oh, a show where they're I not going to use those right. same skills. Like, this has been my crusade for two years. Yeah, no, um, You guys, let's wrap up, as we always do, by asking you what you are watching on television these days. What's getting you excited <laughs> or inspired? What are you talking about with your friends, your family, your rooms? Uh, Davida, let's start with you. Um, I'm definitely watching Game of Thrones, which is great and very exciting. I love that show. Um, am I allowed to talk about reality? Because I'm also watching The Bachelorette, which is amazing. And I had never watched it before, but this season is the first Black Bachelorette. So I was like, I'm going to watch because I definitely want to see how this goes <laughs> down. And it's fantastic. It's like cheesy and ridiculous, <laughs> mm-hmm. but also like earnest sometimes and heartfelt. Like I can't tell if it's just all the producers just like making things up. But of course I'm, it is. I'm, I know, but like it feels so real. That's so it's, I'm, I'm is into it. Is the fact it. that she's black make it different? Uh, well, I had actually never watched it before. I'm, I honestly kind of only came to it because I was like, well, this is the first time they're doing this. So I'm okay. going to check it out and see how it goes. Um, I hear that it's very similar to previous seasons, but, I mean, it's amazing. Like, I don't know where they find these men who are on the show, <laughs> but, like, they are all just going for it. They don't. <laughs> like, it's insane. I feel like definitely the producers are like, okay, you're going to be the one who starts fights. But, like, it's it's perfect, and I'm into it. And I think that's your next step after yeah. having gone <laughs> yeah. being shy to being a writer to being a bachelorette. It's like, yes, maybe. Maybe that'll be it. <laughs> Only logical move. Um, good answers. Did you watch Unreal? 
I didn't. You know, I watched the pilot and I thought it was great, and I definitely need to go back and watch, watch. the first season. Now yes. that you've watched the best, yeah, that would be great. You're right. You're right. Uh, Mark, what are you watching? So the thing that uh, Dana and I both watched, I mean, we watched everything together, which is so great. That I love we're it. On the same page with our <laughs> viewing similar tastes. tastes. Yeah. yeah. Um, Good. The handmade, and they're not very highbrow. Uh, no. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave those to you. <laughs> um, Thank you. But The Handmaid's Tale just rocked my That's world. I had actually loved that book in mm-hmm. college, and I remember writing a paper about it, and then to see it. And I actually was lucky enough to do, play a small part in a movie that Reed Morano had directed called Meadowland and she directed uh, most of the episodes and she just knocked it out of the park. Mm-hmm. I mean the style, the visual style, the pacing, the music, the sound, the all yeah, so yeah, original. Yeah. And then of course the actors, I mean Elizabeth Moss yeah. just knocked me out. She is so fantastic on that show. Um, I also really love the show Love uh, on Netflix. I have been a huge fan of girls throughout the entire uh, series and um Togetherness we loved? Uh, oh, Togetherness mm-hmm. was a huge That's favorite of mine. I mean, maybe that's just because it was so similar to our experience of people uh, in similar age range living in Los Angeles, but the Duplass brothers have such a great angle on writing stories that feel very real, mm-hmm. very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. They capture just sort of the things that we come home at night and talk about in our daily lives. Yeah. And you had mentioned Better Things, which oh, I think love. is not talked about. Better Things enough. and Louis really are just in an, in their own on their own planet of, <laughs> and it's not even that it's like so naturalistic, but the the their brand of reality is is a yeah. planet I love <laughs> to visit. I mean there's just so many great stories on both of those shows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dana, what, uh, uh, what's the trashy stuff? And now I'll let you tell well, me about Big Brother. Well, also, <laughs> I, oh my God, so I am also a huge Big Brother fan. Yes. I mean, Are you watching is, right now? Yes, and it's like we're the best season. We're feet from the house. Oh my God. Yeah. So we're going this as a writer's room. We're going to visit. Oh, I'm so jealous. I mean, three, do you want to come? I'm obsessed. I've seen every season, literally. It's so, so good. We'll let so you know. are we. You go. You'll come. I would love that. Yeah. We watch that three nights a week, obviously. And a lot of our writers do. We watch Survivor and we love we love Survivor. Um, I'm watching The Defiant Ones right now on HBO. Is that yeah, what it yeah. is? The Dr. Dre. Uh, yeah. Oh, nice. HBO. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's really good. Is that good? I haven't watched. Yeah, it it's yet. really good. Um, Transparent. I love. Uh, I mean, we watch a lot of TV. You guys watch a lot. Yeah. Of TV. We do. Yeah. Oh, we Transparent's watch. amazing. I mean, it, I'm as a, as a as a Jew like. You know, on the Goldbergs, there aren't Jews like this on TV. But there aren't. <laughs> uh, honestly, they don't. They like uh, even true. on the Goldbergs, you don't see a Jewish holiday, and no. we're going to have to wrestle with that ourselves mm-hmm. as writing a Jewish family. But mm-hmm. like on Transparent, they go to a mikvah. They they, <laughs> they, they, they not acknowledge the course. random it's holidays. A little too Jewish. I'll be honest. Too Jewish. <laughs> a little too Jewish. <laughs> okay. um, and then also we watch uh, Goldbergs. We watch Speechless. Uh, yeah. I love Blackish. Fresh, fresh off the by boat. A, Scott yeah. Silveri, who That's Dana right. worked with, who's an amazing guy, an amazing writer. Yeah. yeah. That's a good show. Um, these are all good answers. I'm so <laughs> I'm surprised to hear you're watching so much TV. Most like showrunners I have in are like, I don't have time. Well, our kids are away. Um, and we literally <laughs> just went into production this week. So probably um, when the kids get back and as things heat up, sadly, we'll have to. Yeah. Um, well, good luck with the show. Thank um, you. Tell us again when it premieres. 
October second, eight thirty after Big Bang Theory Great. on CBS. Um, and do we know about more Queen Sugar yet? Yeah, we actually just got picked up for season three. Yeah, thank for you. Season, season three. Congratulations. Yes, and our mid-season finale aired uh, this week, yeah. and we'll be back in October. Oh, great! For the Perfect. second half of season two. Terrific. So pe- folks should check them out. Hope yeah, you yeah. do. <laughs> thank you guys all for being here. Thank you. thank you for having us. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Thank <laughs> you.